The U.S. healthcare system is so complicated. It's like a 10,000-piece puzzle. Among the many things needed to improve it is to be intentional about inclusivity at all levels. The Hit Like a Girl podcast, H-I-T, like a girl podcast, works to listen and learn from women leaders within the industry who each hold a piece of that puzzle with the idea that if we connect more, we can change the bigger picture. New episodes are released weekly on Mondays and Thursdays, and you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Health Podcast Network, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more, visit hitlikeagirlpod.com. That's H-I-T, likeagirlpod.com. Welcome to the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. Women make up 80% of all healthcare buying decisions and compose uh, 65% of the U.S. healthcare workforce. However, only 25% to 30% of healthcare executives and just 13% of CEOs are women. Less than 20% of computer science or engineer degrees go to women, so much less representation in health IT. Given the reality that these statistics represent, a podcast called Hit Like a Girl, that's H-I-T, HIT, as in health information technology, a podcast called Hit Like a Girl is a podcast whose time has come and is, in fact, a podcast that's desperately needed. Indeed, Hit Like a Girl was named one of the top 19 healthcare podcasts that you should be listening to in 2022 by Healthcare Weekly. That is why we are excited today to have the founder and host of Hit Like a Girl on our show today, Joy Rios. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Collective Voice of Health IT, a weedy podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Albright. My day job is Chief Legislative Affairs Officer for Zealous Payments, Z-E-L-I-S. Zealous's mission is to enable providers to simplify and save on their payments and claims. I also serve as the Communication Committee Chair for Weedy. That's W-E-D-I. Weedy is a national membership organization where the health information technology community connects, collaborates, and creates solutions for a better health system. And we're very excited to have on our show today, Joy Rios. Joy is the author of five books on value-based programs to help clinicians navigate quality payment. She's also a health IT consultant with Chirpy Bird, but she is most famous for her podcast, Hit Like a Girl, which celebrates women leaders and advocates and creates more paths to leadership positions for young women to follow. And it's not just a podcast. Joy's website, Hit Like a Girl, also has resources for women in health IT, blogs, and even a link for gift ideas. The Hit Like a Girl podcast is also an official collaborator with HIMSS. So, Joy, welcome, and I'm very glad to have you on The Collective Voice. It is great to be here. Thank you for having me, Matthew. Very good. And, uh, you know, I recommend anybody uh, go uh, look into, listen to your episodes. And, and one thing that comes out of your episodes as you're, as you're talking to these women healthcare leaders is um, you ask them about their journeys, how they, how they came to be where they are today and, and what they would have went through either spiritually or their education or experience. So, so tell us a little bit about your journey and, and how you came to be where you are today. Oh, that's such a big question. It's like a little bit of like, okay, which direction do we go in? But I think that for on the personal side of things, I think it's fair to say that I was born and raised by strong women. 
And, and my, I was raised by a single mom who basically her message to me from a very young age was essentially you can do anything, right? Like whatever you put your mind to, whatever it is that you go after. She was always very, very supportive and encouraging for me to get a great education and then use that in whatever way that I could to ideally support my community. And it was an interesting transition going from that being a pep talk as you grow up and also knowing that we lived in a household where women sort of did everything to transitioning to being in the working world where what is reflected back to you is very different and what is told to you is very different. And there, it, it basically, I mean, I can fast forward through many, many years, but ultimately it got to a breaking point when I got to a, a healthcare conference and sort of Everywhere I looked, the voices that we were listening to were, you know, men. And no offense against men. I love men, but it just sort of wasn't, you know, uh, doing like giving respect or acknowledgement to all of the contributions that other people within our industry have made and given them a platform to actually like really, um, you know, honor and acknowledge their expertise. And so... I kind of like it's a little bit coming from a place of anger, but I think also of an empowerment of just feeling like, okay, if I'm not able to see out in the world what it is I would like to, how about I, you know, take some responsibility and create it? And that was kind of the birth of Hit Like a Girl podcast. Very good. That's a great, that's a great origin story. Um, and, and let me dig a little deeper. How did you come to be in healthcare IT? Again, we see the stats, and, and like you said, you look around the room, and, and there's not a lot of representation there. So how did, how did you find your place there? That's a great question, too. I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, I basically kind of followed my passions. I really knew that I loved reading and writing, and I mean, I ended up as an English major in my undergrad, and then when I went to grad school, I went for an MBA, but my focus was on sustainability. There's up until the time of my thir- like around 30, I honestly thought that I was going to live and breathe, you know, solar, <laughs> solar panels and like utility scale solar. Um, but it wasn't until I got essentially an invitation from a family member of mine to join uh, his software company. He was working with... Um, paper management, ultimately like document control. He was and in the, on the island of Puerto Rico from the 80s. And so he was like, hey, guess what? I have an organization that has uh, started with document management. We're now going into electronic health records. And with my MBA kind of thought that he could use my skill set. I had sort of said at, at a Christmas party, to be honest, I was like, I need some change in my life. I don't know exactly what but I need some change. And a week later, he was like, I have an idea. And honestly, it made me realize that I had actually been involved in health IT for way longer than I was ever aware of it. Because what I realized was that, oh my gosh, when I would go visit my family, my father and my uncle lived in Puerto Rico since the 80s, I every day was like, take your kid to work day. And so I would basically go to their work with them and watch them. They were in microfilm and microfiche and their biggest customers were like the Red Cross and the pharmaceutical companies. And they would go and collect all these medical patient records and scan them 
and then re-deliver them back for small bits of storage, something that they can like read using a um, microscope or whatever it is that they, they would read those on. We don't use it anymore. But that technology and ended up evolving. And so when I got to go back into it, this is around 2010, it was also coinciding with the passing of the High Tech Act. And so me being the way that I am, I was like, okay, this is a sink or swim situation. I'm new to this industry. What do I need to know in order to help sell this product? Like, why would somebody care about an electronic health record? And then that just sent me down the rabbit hole of trying to understand the meaningful use program and, you know, the beginnings of quality payment programs and value-based care. And I just nerded out like you wouldn't believe. (laughs) (laughs) No insult to anybody. (laughs) I, 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 one of the things that I pick up from your story, which I love, um, because I think there's, there's a lot of students that uh, may be listening to this podcast is the idea is, you know, you were interested in many things and you certainly pursued a certain route, but your undergraduate degree was not in health IT or even in healthcare, right? And Mm -hmm. your, your, your master's degree wasn't either. And yet you were able to take whatever uh, you learned from those, uh, from those, uh, that education and and apply it to IT, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And it was, I mean, I, I definitely felt like a Jill of all trades in a lot of ways. And sometimes I was really, to be honest, like jealous of my sister who like knew what she wanted. She was like from an early age, she's like, I want to be an architect. And so she had a very clear path of what steps you take in order to make that happen. And up into my mid twenties, I was literally like, I don't, I just don't know. I like, there's so many things that I'm interested in that I can do, but that doesn't mean that I'm passionate about it. And once I landed in health IT and I realized how many challenges there are, how big the problems are, how much you could sink your teeth into. I was like, this is an industry that I'm never going to get bored in. I'm always going to feel like there's good that can be done and that my skill set will be put to good use. Very good. Very good. Um, and, and, you know, you, you've just described a, a journey um, and you, you, you pull from your, uh, your, the people that you interview those journeys as well. Um, what gave you the idea to kind of frame things in a journey? It doesn't sound very like IT and data driven. Is that from your English major background? or is uh, that- yes, yes and no, but I also felt like it was true about women in particular. And with like the women that we talk to, and as I have gotten older, have really come to realize how our journeys are not particularly linear. Like we end up doing this like cha-cha dance of like, oh, I went this way and then I learned a lesson and then I had to pivot and do and follow this other path and it led me here and that's and there's nothing wrong with that right and there's and I get really excited when I hear like okay well what did you think was going to happen versus what actually happened and what lesson came from that change because it's a whole mindset of how do you deal with that you know the loss of an expectation something not plan coming out the way that you had planned it or that you've learned something it was never even on your radar that now you can leverage and invest in these other ways. And just so many people have that story, especially specifically women who have to take breaks oftentimes because of their starting a family or, you know, things that like just, okay. So that wasn't necessarily the end of their career as we're often told, but oftentimes that's the catalyst of something bigger and perhaps better that they never anticipated. 
So it's interesting because you, the terminology you use is journey, which is just that. If you come to a dead end or if you come to a place where you need to take a break or you come to a place where you're taking a left instead of a right, that's different from a trip, right? Or a holiday or even a pilgrimage where you, you got the where you got the end point and you're trying to hit journey. It's you, you, you uh, swerve to the bumps in the road. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't stop. <laughs> I think, and that's the part stop. that it's like, yeah, no, there's not an end point. And as long as we're alive, we're still part of that journey, which so, I'm, I'm going to go ahead. It makes you what, <laughs> which I'm experiencing now, sort of just like, Oh, where do we go from here? <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. So, so now, uh, one of the questions you ask a uh, guest is, uh, again, w- what would you have expected when you're 10 years old? Would you expect to be where you are now? And, and also what advice would you give? So what advice would you give your 10 year old self knowing where you come I in the think journey? I so would far? give my 10 year old self a big hug. Like, I think I would just give her a big hug and be like, you know what, girl, everything you have is going to be enough. Like, you have what is in you that is like, you're going to be able to take it and, and run with it and get by. And like, if you ever doubt yourself, stop. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> so on that, on that same token, um, you know, we talked about the statistics of, of women who are, um, they're in healthcare, but they, uh, they tend to become less representative as, as you go up or higher up in the in organizations, in the executive um, area. And um, as well in health IT, there's, a, there's a, certainly a dearth of, of, of women, not, not many women at all. Um, so how, how do you, I, I've got a 12, a 13 year old, 13 or 14 year old girl, they're interested in everything. Um, or they're going to be president one day and start their own business the next, right? So they've got everything going. How, how do we get that younger generation of women interested in healthcare, health IT? To be honest, I feel like we're trying everything that we can. I'm just like, one, I think is part of what I'm trying to do is like share lessons learned so people can hopscotch like, Hey, if you have ever experienced this challenge, here's how other people got through it. And maybe you can have less of a difficult time in facing the same challenge Two, I think that uh, encouraging them to do difficult things, like whether that's learning how to code or disassemble a computer and put it back together or like I like as a kid I used to be the the one in charge of electronics in our household of women you know like I'm setting up the VCR which is going to date me and our like first generation Nintendo but you know like getting excited about even the things that are around you how they work how they how how they work together and then how you can use them for greater things I mean, I'm even trying things like uh, Public Health Hip Hop is an organization that I'm working on. I'm like, can we get a collaboration together so that we can do some sort of, you know, dance routine, maybe like that it somehow has a message either around public health or health IT or some sort of conversation like that of just like, how do you make it fun and exciting in a place that somebody wants to be where the learning is enjoyable and it's something that it doesn't feel like a have to but it's a get to and something that you're excited to do on a regular basis right and and i think that's i think that's your job every day actually as a as the host of this program right because i i've got these these um, guests who are on and they're working on very exciting stuff and they sound exciting but what comes out of their mouth is acronyms and and references to obscure <laughs> statutes yeah. and 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 it all sounds too it sounds like a different language how, how do we get how do we 
how do we make it uh, palpable um, to not just uh, young women, but to, to? I think, well, that's a great question. And bit by bit, I think, you know, like, how do you eat an elephant? I don't, I would never eat an elephant, but one bite at a time, supposedly, is how you do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. That's, that's, so it's, so, so it's, is this just, you know, take our, our one part of the elephant and see if we can get through that. Is that kind of the, Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think it's a matter of, I, I succumb to this too, of feeling overwhelmed, of that like the problems are bigger than any individual can tackle on their own. And I think that part of what I, like, honestly, it's the journey of the, to make me feel better to know that we're in this together and to know that like, okay, somebody over there is tackling that piece. Here's another piece over here. And by identifying all of the different puzzle pieces that we say, you know, are part of this big problem, how can we make connections that perhaps didn't exist before or that, that we didn't, if we didn't see each other, we didn't know that we were, we could connect and make, a, you know, leverage and get farther faster, hopefully by working together. I, I, it's, it's not particularly like solid data anal- analysis, like as the answer. I think a lot of it is like human connection and feeling like we are, are there to support one another, like both on an individual and in a community and population basis. Right. And, and certainly, Joe, you work on the, like you said, like the personal, person-to-person, um, uh, your website, your podcast is about showing stories that are representative, that, that should inspire others and other women to, to follow similar paths or to, to find their voice and, and these kind of things. Is, is there... Is there um, talk about the overwhelming problem of not having enough women representation in the executive level in health IT? Um, do you have any ideas on, is there things that can be changed with the system? Like, oh. like you're, you're doing an exceedingly valuable role. Yeah. Um, you think broadly uh, other things can be changed? I think that they have to, and of course that they will. I mean, I think we also have to, it's like this combination of being patient, but also doing everything you can to make change. But I think that there's a true, real, like emotional and cognitive toll of living in a world that you know wasn't designed by or for you. And I know that, like I'm saying that from a place of privilege, just by being a, a you know white presenting woman. Like I know that my experience of that is a fraction of what uh, other people experience, but uh, like it's tiring. And like, there's part of like, okay, how do we not focus on how big the problems are? But again, what is it that I do have control of and how can I be part of a solution that is like, I don't know, Matthew, it's hard. There's times when I'm just like, okay, am I making a difference? I hope what I'm doing is making a difference. Like a lot, like I wake up and I'm still, it's like me and my dog in my house. (laughs) I love to know that there's people that are listening and that it matters, but holy cow, like um, change is hard and and it comes sometimes slowly and sometimes all at once and we all just do our best. Well, and I do, I do think you're making uh, an impact, certainly, Joy. I mean, <laughs> um, just listening to some of the stories uh, that those uh, 
women were telling and the, and the healthcare leaders at your interview, um, I, I, I don't see any other place where they would get to tell those stories, right? Usually they're uh, put in front of an audience and they're told to explain, you know, either sell their product that their customer, that their company has, or explain the last legislation or, right? Um, I, I don't think there's many spaces where we get to hear their stories. So I think that's a, that's a wonderful thing. Thanks. I mean, I like, I love what I'm doing. I love what I'm doing. And I, if I, if you ask me what I think the future of it is, it's like not having me be at the center of it, because I think that there's something to be said for being the example and being a leader and showing people how it's done. And honestly, if I could like fast forward five years or 10 years or 20 years from now, it would be to have a platform where like, hey, listen, I'm not the only person that you can share this story with. Like if it is, you know, a colleague interviewing her, you know, lady boss or like favorite inspiring colleague, that there's a space for those stories and not just a space for them, for people to tell them, but hopefully that people are actually on the other side listening. And ultimately, it would be nice to have like the culture change of support and feeling like seen, heard, lifted up, but having that influence uh, tables where large decisions are being made, you know, whether that's policy reform or that's more diversity in the C-suite. But ultimately, like having decisions that are going to affect all of us be made by more than just a very few of us. Right. Uh, tell me a bit. Uh, you mentioned the phrase culture of support. Uh, explain that a bit. Well, I think that for women in particular, there since there have been so few seats at the table, so to speak, that what has been, I mean, it's not necessarily something people talk about and are super open about, but, but it has been the case that like, hey, once you get to that table, like you have to kind of compete, right? You have to one compete against people that are like you for that spot because there are not very many. And once you get there, then it's a matter of protecting it. Oh, I worked so hard to get here. This is mine and I'm not going to like let it go. Whereas I think that there's something to be said for once you reach a goal, whether it's a new level or of like past the glass ceiling instead of closing the door behind you you literally like open it up and start showing the path this is how we do it and when somebody has a success who you know may it's not necessarily you but maybe looks like you or is similar in a certain fashion that that's not like if their success is actually our success and supporting them through like you know getting farther because if we all thought that a way of a community and supporting each other in getting farther, then it, I think there would be less need to kind of like hold our cards so tight sometimes and, and like be protective or defensive of how far we've come. It's like, I don't, I think that there's a, a phrase like co-opetition. It's like competition, but you find people who are similar to what you know, like have similar skill sets and you're like, I'm going to compete with you. So to see which one of us can do better or how far we can get, but at the same time, we're both winning that it's not mm. a net zero. Like if just for me to win means that somebody else has to lose or vice versa. Right. Does that and make I think sense? you've, it does. And I think you've actually talked that way um, when you're talking to the men in the audience, right? <laughs> this is not a zero game. 
just because we want to see more women in the executive offices doesn't mean they're coming for your your chair. Yeah, and that's a it's a really hard um, line to walk sometimes because it's not a matter of trying to like say anything bad about men. Like men are amazing. I love the men in my life. Like like and the professional men that we get to work with. Like they're all brilliant. You know, like they're they're contributing and doing great things. But to not acknowledge that it that there is an imbalance is just something that I'm unwilling to do anymore. So whatever I can do to, to make that change, like count me in. <laughs> Very good. Um, so uh, where do you see, well, actually uh, something came to my mind when you're talking about the culture of support. Do you think the pandemic has changed anything like in terms of how we think about our coworkers or how we think about the work-life balance or, you know, I do. Okay, I do. Ahead. I think that I think that there's a little bit more humanity now. That I think that that expectation for people to be giving 100 to 200 percent, you know, 100 percent of the time, there's a little bit of. Lean, I would like to think that there's more leniency on that. I think that when the connect, like the way that I have been interacting with people has definitely been with more empathy. When somebody says, you know, where we have kids at home or somebody in my family is sick right now, like you're not going to be as worried about whatever the, the deadline is. <laughs> like there's times of like, I think, I think that we've, I can't, can't speak for others, but I definitely have felt like uh, giving a little bit more latitude to people for their mental health and making sure that they are taking care of themselves so that they can take care of their families. And then of course, you know, do a good job at whatever their profession is. Like I, I would like to think that we can be kinder to each other. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually, you actually bring up a great point because I think a lot has been made of the remote schools and, and all of us on zoom all the time. And there's a concern and certainly it's, it's probably a, a absolutely valid concern that we're losing human touch, right? Because we're, we're not seeing each other physically. We're maybe missing body language, but you just, just brought up something where, you know, we also see everybody's backgrounds though. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got my fake background down, but I can see your background and we can see the dogs running around and the, and the children running around and, and, and maybe it does, um, make us think of this person is more of a person and less of, you know, somebody who sits at a desk and is, is a, just a cog in the wheel. Uh, yeah. That's kind of a great point. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and, and let's hope it overwhelms, right? Let's hope that, that we, we do get the empathy as opposed to yeah. right, the pulling apart the physical empathy. I yeah. do have to say, like, I feel for healthcare workers. Like, they, I feel like they have not necessarily gotten a break. And, you know, they don't, they're not really in a position, especially if you work in a hospital or a medical setting, like you're not, like the risks have been really high. Like it, it pulls on my emotional strings when I'm like, I feel very fortunate to be able to work from home. And I know that there's a lot of people that are not in that position and, you know, like what sacrifices that they're making as an individual and their family and not just collectively. I'm just like, holy cow. Like, I think we all need grief counseling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. On the, on the healthcare IT element of the pandemic, um, it, it does seem like the hospitals have had uh, enough on their hands where they can't think about interoperability and Tefka and the rest of this. Is there, is there, um, 
do you think that the pandemic has pointed out where, oh, we need to actually move this up because we have to get much digital. We have to be able to move data back and forth and we're going to meet another endemic. Or do you feel like the pandemic's kind of pushed us back just because we're too overwhelmed or the healthcare industry is too overwhelmed right now to, to kind of like handle this? I think whatever you shine your light on is what you're going to see. And I think that um, on, on one side of things, you know, we've definitely seen an increase in telehealth and um, I would say certainly remote patient monitoring Folks, uh, like guests that have been on the show have talked a lot about different apps and technology that's available for people that have chronic conditions or are trying to, you know, manage their mental health or some sort of make some sort of behavioral change that I think all ties into it. Um, it's not necessarily a conversation around insurance or reimbursables or, but that definitely plays into it. Um, just technology or uh, that conversation where how do you get patients engaged to stay out of the healthcare system is one that is very interesting too. Cause it's like, okay, if we all know that the hospitals and healthcare systems are overwhelmed potentially with COVID patients, well, that means that you shouldn't go get into a bike accident or you know, like any, all the other things that might put you in that place. I feel like there's a conversation to be had of like, okay, well, how can I take care of myself? above and beyond wearing a mask and not catching COVID, you know, just general everyday well-being. Um, I don't know. No, and we can see that with the, you know, you, you got to worry about your diet now because uh, if your diet throws you off and you end up in a hospital, you might not be able to get a room. So, okay. um, and, and, and I think you've said it many times on, on your show, um, meet people where they are and, and having a digital uh, outreach a digital health system, then you will be able to bring health to have them thinking about health in their own house instead of them only thinking about it when they visit the doctor, right? Yeah, and I have I'm having a new conversation, and it's because I've moved to this other side of the border. Like within the last year, I became a dual citizen with Mexico, and so I'm having an interesting conversation personally around health equity and access and technology because. I, I mean, I, all of the many of the conveniences and things that we don't necessarily think of, at, you know, as being top of mind of like, oh, what would I have access to in the States? Like down here, there's so many different kinds of challenges that I don't think I really was aware of before. And so when I think about like VR, like that VR conversation is a really fun one to think about. I'm just like, okay, who is the right audience for that? And how, what's the healthcare application and what are use cases for using virtual reality? And there's part of me, I'm just like, I saw, I saw a a meme the other day of essentially like a, a homeless guy with his with his cart and food and maybe like a dog next to him sitting on the street with the VR headset, just all crooked on his, you know, and like how helpful, how, how actually helpful is that technology? If you don't have a lot of the prerequisites ahead of that, of like a roof over your head, electricity, you know, internet access um, and go down the line. And anyway, I try not to get overwhelmed. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. So, so on on the on the plus side, what what are your what's your what's your aspirational hope here? When do you think um, you'll say, "Oh, my job is done here"? Um, where where are women going to be in five to ten years uh, mm. with, with regard to healthcare IT? I don't know that my job will ever be done. I mean, I just think that there's there's 
there's so much to do. I can't imagine it's going to be done in my lifetime. I guess more than anything, I would like to see um, more. I mean, I would like there to be just a, can I duplicate myself? There's times that I would like that. <laughs> so, so in five to 10 years, you'd like to see cloning. So you can duplicate yourself and do twice as much. As but so that I could like hire myself and be yeah. like, yes, I would, I would like to hire you and a whole army of you. That would be great. <laughs> I love it. I think that's, those are great aspirations. <laughs> That's perfect. And, and you'll, you'll get it all done in, in half the yeah. time, right? So yeah, exactly. That's, that's great. Um, so uh, before we go, any, uh, any resources that you want to uh, point uh, listeners to? Uh, certainly uh, call out your website, but anything else you want people to pay attention to? I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, go visit us at hitlikeagirlpod.com. There's a bunch of episodes there. We do have a community. When I talk about our community of support, there's just like uh, we have um, a Slack group where basically it's a bunch of women in health IT that are there either to identify different jobs or just have online Zoom calls where we can, you know, kind of network without being in the same place with no agenda, no PowerPoint, no nothing to achieve other than to connect and create that community of support. Um, as collaborators with HIMSS, I mean, I, I encourage people to just continue to get whatever educations that whatever education or certifications that like they think would be applicable that they can grow with, whether it's coding or, you know, learning about health equity or technology, maternal and infant, you know, I mean, there's like, the list goes on and on and on. So I don't have all the answers, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I do want to recommend your, uh, your, your website and not just your podcast. Um, you had a great uh, series of stories about, um, uh, about a road trip before hymns in August yes, uh, and with pictures right. from all across the country. Actually, give us a, give us a bit about that. I would love to talk to you about that. Well, that, I mean, that was something that came out of the pandemic. That was something that I um, kind of came from a vision of just like, Hey, guess what? I've been experiencing isolation and I could really use like personally, I would like to tap in to my community and I have a community of people all over the country and, and we're not in a position that we can go like rent out a, a bar or a meeting room where we can meet inside, but it seems to be that we can safely meet outdoors and how nice would it be if we could facilitate some beautiful walks and talks, so to speak, in all of these different places. And so Again, I just kind of nerded out on that and was like, let me create a three-month itinerary. And we went to 32 states. I took my car, put my dog in the car. We've, we hosted and coordinated a bunch of meetings and hikes around the country and invited women that work in health IT and their families and whoever they wanted to, to join um, to just go walk and talk. And it was really kind of therapeutic in a lot of ways because many it was right after many of us just got the vaccine. So it was the safe time that we could sort of collectively like get together. And um, what ended up happening is that we got to be a lot of people's first experience outside of their own bubble. And so they got to share, you know, what was going on with them personally, professionally, how they were adjusting and, you know, just kind of like connecting ultimately. It's just been like this, this really great community of 
connecting and being there for one another, both physically and um, emotionally and professionally and, and sharing resources of just like, Oh, did you know, it was, just, it's so, it was so great. And so anyway, we road tripped across the Southern States. We started in California, made it all the way, um, well to Tennessee and went up the East coast and then came back across the, the Northern coast, the Northern route, when essentially ended at the HIMSS conference. And so that HIMSS conference in August was like the first in-person healthcare conference to happen, which was a little poetic because this whole thing started at the cancellation of HIMSS in March of 2020. So it was kind of felt like it was bookending that chapter. Um, and yeah, it was really special. I mean, it was really um, no regrets on that. That ended up being like a bucket list Thing to do and I think it was also really good for for the people in our network it, that was it's great and great stories great blog uh blog posts and, and pictures along the way three three things about that one I think that should be your sixth book so I think <laughs> you should write a book about that you already yeah. divided it up into chapters right secondly yeah. uh, you did what we've talked about in this and this podcast, which is, you know, you've made HIT kind of exciting. I mean, <laughs> you're, you're walking through canyons outside of Las Vegas and talking about HIT. I think that's fabulous. And third, uh, again, another journey that you keep coming back to and that, that kind of reverberates of, of um, life as a journey, career as a journey, uh, health IT as a journey. So thank you. This has been a, this has been a great discussion. Uh, talking with Joy Rios, founder and host of HIT Like a Girl podcast. Thank you, Joy. I appreciate yeah, it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. This has been the Collective Voice of Health IT, a weedy podcast where the health information technology community connects, collaborates, and creates solutions for a better health system. Find this episode and many more on our website, weedy.org. Thank you all for joining us and be safe. <laughs>